everyone, this is Arazi and welcome back to another episode of Arazi Art Podcast. After a long pause, here I am back with another interview. As you may know, this podcast is my passion project, so your support means a lot to me. Please feel free to share this podcast with your friends in your favorite platforms or comment or message me in any social media that you like. So because I was away for a long time, I cut it short. My next guest is the amazing Carter Goodrich. You may know Carter for his distinctive style in character design. Carter Goodrich is an award-winning LA-based character designer illustrator best known for his cover for New York and Magazine. He has worked with numerous well-known animation companies and classical movies such as Prince of Egypt, Simbad, to many other big studios, Pixar, Sony, DreamWorks, and movies such as Ratatouille, Brave, Open Season, Cruise, Coco, Despicable Me, to name a you. In addition to his character design work, Carter has written and illustrated seven award-winning children's books. In this episode, we are going to talk about his artistic background, working as an illustrator for New Yorker magazine, how he started to getting into animation industry, working in DreamWorks alongside Nicholas Marley and Carlos Granger, tips about character design and also illustrating children's books. And last but not least, we talked about his upcoming project, which I'm truly excited about. Because I started to having a new gear, uh, you might hear a little bit of feedback in the middle of the interview. I hope you don't mind that. I was trying to fix that as much as I could. But overall, I really do hope that you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. Here I am with my guest, Carter Goodrich. Hello, everyone. I'm here with my lovely guest. Carter Goodrich. I'm super glad and honored to have you today, Carter. Thank you so much for accepting my invitation. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. And thank you for inviting me to to, uh, answer some questions about this strange business. (laughs) Is it too strange? (laughs) Well, it's it's not really strange. It's, it's, It's interesting. I don't think it's the same for any two people, to, to be honest. Yes, that's why I do interviews with different people in the industry, because everyone's path is really different. And when you hear from everyone's story, you pick up something and you learn something new. And that's why I do these interviews. So I normally start with uh, an introduction. So I really want to know a little bit about like little Carter when you were really young were you always like into art or it was something that you developed when you grow older or are there any artists in your family or you're the only one just a little bit about your like your background when you were a kid yeah I think that um I I uh signaled pretty early on in life that this was going to be my my pursuit in life I I loved to draw when I was a little kid and my my dad was a painter, so he wow. always had a studio. You know. There we go. I got to, I, I loved hanging out in his studio and, and uh, going through his art books. And, and um, I did a lot of copying when I was a little kid because there were so many great artists that, that uh, I just, I, I loved what they drew and how they drew it. And, and I, I studied things and, and, and did my best to copy them. And I think I learned a lot that way. I think, uh, you know, you, 
that's maybe one of the best ways to learn, um, not to replicate somebody else's style, but just to to really learn this mysterious act of, of image making. And um, so I was lucky in that respect that, you know, kind of, I always felt comfortable in, in that world because my father had his friends who were painters and, and sculptors and, wow. and together. And I, and I kind of had three different fathers because his two best friends were always around. Oh, wow, interesting. It was fun. It, it was, you know, I, I think it was one of the great childhoods. I feel very grateful. That's uh, brilliant. Interesting. So you basically grew up with art, so that's how you got into it. So how how did you uh, learn about, like, animation? So because I assume later you went to, like, university and studied illustration as well in Rhode Island College of Design, yeah? Yep. Uh, Rhode Island School of Design, RISD, and uh, very good school. And I, that was, I think the greatest thing about that was going from high school into art school. And, and suddenly this whole community of like-minded kids, you know, well, we're all, you know, from the same planet. And, and, uh, I just loved it. I love, I love my four years there and the people I met and the people I studied under. Uh, things I I learned. Um, it was it was uh, quite an experience. My one of my instructors and advisor was Chris Van Allsburg. I don't know if you know his work, but he's a brilliant book illustrator. Okay. His uh, they they made movies out of some of his books with Jumanji and. Um, oh okay. Uh, they made they made a movie from his Christmas book. Uh, the name of which escapes me right now, but amazing book, beautiful book. But I thought the movie was a bit spooky. Okay. Spooky yeah. movie. Some of the Christmas movies are spooky, so I don't know which one it might be. Yeah, I can't believe I can't think of the name of it. That bothers me. Don't it's, worry. It, it so was, is it Christmas, not Christmas Carol? Is it Christmas Carol? Christmas no. Carol. It was about uh, this train that this... Oh, okay. Uh, something Express, right? Yeah, I don't Polar know. Express. Polar Express. Polar Express, yeah. <laughs> we got it together. Teamwork. Yeah. It was spooky, I thought, because the transition to to CG was, was a little odd. And the, you know, in my opinion, it, it you know, things things just didn't feel quite right. Yeah, I think it was very on um, very early years of CG movies where there were still a little bit of like I don't know the characters didn't look as realistic as they should be, but sometimes it gives you this strange feeling that okay, this is CG, this is computer, is it real? So they were trying too hard to make it realistic, but it didn't yeah. look all right. Yeah. So that's why maybe that was spooky. Yeah. There's yeah. terms of a word for that in English, I think, but I can't remember. So yeah. I don't know it either, but but I think that that was the problem. That I think I think when you get too close to realism, it's like a a dangerous area, and uh, it it just it never quite looks right. And maybe in time they'll figure it out. Those secretly, I hope they don't. And I don't like all this 
Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. So yeah, it's it seems with some of these emotions as well that they are just so weird <laughs> sometimes. But it makes you yeah, as you say, it's a bit spooky. So yeah. that's wonderful. So you basically had if you we sort of like started to build your community and making friends with people during college and I assume because you've posted some of the works that you had during back in college so I assume during that four years of uh, being in the university you were trying to experience with different mediums and materials as well because I saw some of your pastel works and you were doing some still life um, what it's like figure drawings things that people mostly do at university so how important were doing those sort of things and how they helped you to um, talking about like realism. Of course, you were doing a lot of like still life and studying from um, realistic figures. And then little by little, you start to go to like caricature them and making them cartoony. So I want to know how was your approach on that? Uh, I, I think that um, at that time, and I don't know what their curriculum is like now, but uh, I imagine it's pretty much the same. But RISD was was all about having the students really try a lot of things throughout their four years, rather than a, a lot of art schools, they start concentrating on putting together a very polished portfolio, maybe junior year and, and through senior year. And then, you know, you can go out and, and, and start shopping your wares but the problem with that is, is school is, is a, a great opportunity to, to explore. just uh, yeah, learn what you can, explore what you can, why you can, because once you hit the ground running, it's, it's kind of tough if you're going to work commercially to wildly experiment because you're going to get hired on whatever you show them. And, and yeah. so basically... You're going to have to do whatever you showed them uh, for for a job. So it's a, it's a difficult world in that respect. I think, uh, you know, one of the things that when I've talked to uh, students and groups, I said, or I try to communicate that, that they should allow themselves not to get locked into, you know, uh, I want to be a character designer or mm. I want to be this or that um, because they're making it tougher on themselves. And I think that. Yeah. Yeah. You're very, very young. You don't really know where it's going and what, what you're going to want to be doing down the road. And I like to think of it, you're a leaf in a river. It's going to, it's going to take you the way it wants to take you and, and you're not going to be able to predict which way you're going all the time. And, 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 and that way the really interesting stuff happens and you find things that, that weren't scripted, that you weren't planning precisely. And, you know, and I, and I think ultimately that's what trying to be an artist is about. You, it's, it's a funny thing. You're, you're trying to control and, become very proficient with and good but at the same time you have to let go of the reins and and let the thing happen organically and and more important than that i don't think you can ever be certain about when you set out doing a piece however you're working 
you can't be certain what it's going to look like. Yeah. Because it's like being an architect, which you're not being. It, you're, you're, it's something else. And, and it, it's not something that, that uh, and, and a good commercial artist becomes very good at that. You know, you, you, you know the image you need to do, you know you how to get there, you know the devices you've used in the past, you can do this, that, and the other thing and make it, make it, you know, no surprises in the end. You get the piece that looks good, yeah. and, but what was that all about? That was about basically uh, it's, 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 there's something about it that, and I don't think it's just me. I think this, at some point in everybody's life who, who does this stuff, they start to scratch their head and say, you know what, <laughs> something's missing, or I feel like, you know, maybe I didn't, I didn't uh, come at this the right way, or, or maybe I made a, a decision that I kind of regret now. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people don't, a lot of people happy front to back, and I know personally a lot of people who, who uh, struggle with it at this point, and then regardless of how successful they become doing what they're doing. And a lot of people, I remember when I first started working at, uh, on, on the first movie, I worked on Prince of Egypt, the DreamWorks, and I... Amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's a good movie. They, but I, I, um, I remember meeting all these incredibly talented people at, at the studio, and, and it was really fun. It was like being back at art school, only amped up, you know, even more. And, and going around and visiting people and friends I've made, they'd be in their their uh, office. I use that word. It's like their own little studio in the building, and they'd be doing these incredible paintings and things. Because back 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 then, there was yeah, yeah, it was hand Right. Um, but the, my point is, they or many of them would tell me, well, you know. In my house, I have this studio that I've, I've made, and it's like, you know, I can't wait when I'm going to be able to, to use that and to, to be there and to be doing. And I thought, oh, boy, something just sounded, this isn't, this isn't going to end well. <laughs> or by the time you get to that studio and, and to that point, um, things might be different, and and it might, and I, and I can say all this because I'm experiencing it right now. I'm going through all of it. Although I've always worked at home in my own studio, but it's the okay. same thing. It's in service of various projects. Yeah. So it's always, you know, there's just something about it that I I think students should think about. Yeah, I think what you're trying to mention is that sometimes people are really like strict with uh, setting a goal. Like, for example, I only do this, study, go to university, and then my goal is going to this certain studio. And that's the end of life. I'm a character designer and that's it. So but what you're trying to say is that you never know what would happen on the way or what opportunities may come on your way so firstly you need to be really more open and secondly when you get there maybe sometimes it's not what you think it might be like uh, because anyway working in studios and like um, it is a job anyway although you love your job uh, but um, there are certain pressures that 
it also has that a lot of students are not aware of. So I think this is what you're trying to mention that if if you somehow you need to firstly be aware of the fact that if you work for someone else, there are a lot of like things that you might like personally, but also sometimes a lot of artists do this thing that they have like their day job, whatever they work on school projects, but they also have their personal projects as well. Like you mentioned your uh, colleague was enthusiastic about going back to his studio, you know? So maybe that's like figuring out how to balance it out because although the project that studios offer uh, are really exciting, but there is still something missing in all the every artist, I think, that they still want to do that freedom um, and do whatever they want, right? Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I mean, that's that's basically. Um, I think it's it's funny because, and I, and I felt this way when I came out of school. I thought, well, what do I love to do? I love to draw. I love to paint. How can I make a living? Because you have to. You know, I didn't know about animation, but uh, not for a long time. I, I or I knew about it, but I wasn't plugged into it. I didn't really. But so that made sense to me is to be well. I'm going to illustrate. I'll be an illustrator. I know you can make a living illustrating pieces for magazines, books, whatever you can get, and you'll do artwork, and they'll hand you a check, and they make a living. So, and I thought, and by doing that whatever it is that I start to find that I might want to be just doing for myself, <clears throat> that will fit hand in hand with that because I'll be working. I'll be, you know, only growing my own technical skills and, and abilities and all that. Um, later on, I thought, reassessed the whole thing. <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe it's actually easier to do what some people find them did and that would be to do something to make money and for rent and eating outside of the arts, be a bartender or, you know, whatever job you can find. Uh, and then when you're working, it's such a it's so separate from that, that what you're doing is going to be genuine and authentic and, and whatever it is you're doing and whichever way you're you're following uh, your own muse. It's not going to be coupled in any way to your professional work, which I think is kind of impossible to to separate those things. I, I think that if you you start doing something long enough, that becomes your you know your creative tool set and and mindset, and so. I think it's an illusion to think you can just okay turn that off and now. I'm on this other track that's going to be unaffected by that. Mm. You know, do this yeah. over the weekend, and then I'll go back to that. It gets kind of muddled and confused, and uh, and I only say all this because these are these are all things I, you know, I've lived through and and understand and and experience. So, and I just bring it up, not trying to preach one way or the other. I'm just saying keep these things in mind you know that it, it's a complex way of life that that you're getting into and you just got to keep an open mind and and be aware of of what's going on because time passes 
fast. It does. <laughs> really. It, does. it really does. And, and all of a sudden you realize, wow, I, you know, it was 20 years ago I started this, this job at this studio, like 20 years ago. It happens like that. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yes, it really does. <laughs> but hopefully um, people can find their way and make the most out of it, I hope. I mean, I, I'm still in a phase that I, um, you were telling that not to limit yourself to one certain thing. I think we do have the opposite where people have too many options and they can't really focus on one, which yeah. is somehow me. <laughs> Too too much interest, too much interest, and that, I mean we have the opposite side as well, which you sort of have to have control over that as well. Um, but yeah, um, that's really interesting. So, um, what was interesting for me that you mentioned your first job was working at Prince of Egypt, but you sort of were not really um, aware of uh, animation that much. I mean, you were mostly doing illustration work and paintings and such. So how did you exactly get into animation? Um, I got lucky. I was, I was, <laughs> I've been working for, I guess about a little over 10 years, maybe around 10 years, freelance out in New York. Oh, and okay. I got, um, I had just started getting some New Yorker covers and I think I'd had one or two and those okay. get, Tremendous exposure, at least, you know, at that time they did. I don't really know what's going on in the magazine now, but I got contacted by DreamWorks. It was just beginning. They had just started. Oh. They, they didn't have anything out yet, and um, they were the only studio at that time besides Disney. They were just, you know, it was basically an exodus of a lot of talent and, and folks at Disney who wanted, let's, let's get a new venue here where we can maybe break away from some of these, these stylistic things and yeah. what have you. So they had just set up shop and one of the art directors on Prince of Egypt, um, Richie Chavez, who followed illustrators and really knew about everybody who was doing work at the time. Mm -hmm. And he contacted me and said, have you ever thought about doing character design? And I thought, oh. thought about my work, actually. My editorial work really did lend itself to that because I was always playing with the human form and, and you know, having fun with that. I, I thought, well, you know, no, I mean, I, I don't know much. I don't know anything about animation. He said, well, you'd be interested in coming out and, and uh doing some stuff for, for our project. So I did. And it was, it was, it actually came at a really good time because I was starting to feel, uh, the weight of, of that lifestyle of just long nights by myself at the table, trying to get a deadline on illustration, turning it in, getting the next one, same deal. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Always to a studio you know, full of people, full of yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was, it was, uh, it was exciting. We went out and met all these folks and, uh, they liked the stuff I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing as a character designer. I mean, I had no clue because I had no background or training or anything in the industry for that. And I, and I think that that's what there was something that appealed to them 
because they were looking for something maybe not you know, born of, of all those those established norms and, and stylistic concerns. Yeah. By accident, I think that kind of helped me. And uh, I met and worked with uh, Nicola Marley and yeah. Carlos. The two of them are to this day great friends of mine. Um, and we had, we had, a, I learned so much from them because they were, they knew what they were doing. They both could animate uh, and they, you know, they knew the ins and outs and what works and what you can do and what you can't. And, and, uh, and they're both great artists. So it was, it was wonderful uh, to be mentored in a way with them and, and uh, to work with them. Yeah, it was a, a lucky stroke. That's a magical trio of <laughs> three amazing character designers. So it's interesting because I didn't know that you were doing the um, New Yorkers uh, illustration for it. So I, I, I was thinking with myself that maybe you were starting as an animation into animation and later you got into illustration, which is the other way around. And uh, just to mention, um, New Yorker magazine is one of the really well-known and iconic magazines, and it's mostly known for its cover. And you are, I think you did about a lot of covers for that, like 20, more than 20 something, right? Than, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I can't remember the exact count, but sadly, uh, these last, you know, five or so years when all hell broke loose over here with the election of you know who and <laughs> you know who that's Harry Potter. <laughs> it was it was things changed here in in every imaginable way. And I oh, okay. it's it's been one of the, the casualties for me was being able to just kind of come up with ideas and sketches for the New Yorker because all of a sudden, everything was just being consumed by this nightmare that was had happened and was was getting worse by the day. Like, well, how do you? And I'm just speaking for myself, but it was it was how do you come up with an idea of some kind of ironic moment in New York or the, you know that area that that would be an interesting image and and you know, just an observation that it could be kind of fun. And when, when this, all this raging insanity was, was going on and I didn't want to just start doing pieces about that because, uh, it, it was incredibly depressing. And I, I thought, you know, I don't want to draw any, I mean, it was quite a selection of, of real characters to, to make fun of, but I, I didn't want to be a political cartoonist and, Okay. I, I also didn't want to be working that topically, you know. This just happened, so it's you know we got to do a cover about this. And now that's just how we're going to do a cover about that. Okay. So that's what I missed, and and I just something shut down, and I couldn't. I think the last cover I did was of Trump and in in, yeah. the, in the woods, and yeah, I don't I don't think I did another one after that. Yeah, which which also got like. Kind of trending on TV as well. <laughs> that was a trendy cover, I guess. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I I was assuming doing illustrations for um the magazines, especially for New Yorker, which is really well known. You really need to because you only have like I, I assume a headline or article or something, and then they 
tell you what they want to have on the cover and you need to do the illustration. Is that how it works? Because um, I just feel like that's the moment for an artist, especially illustrator, that they, they sort of can have their political or, I don't know, social or whatever opinions into the work somehow. So I think that's why in the times that you were saying that was the top time, dark days of America, you sort of like release yourself into your illustration as well. Although you didn't really want to get too political, but at least doing few illustrations like that can help you too, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a way to... It helps us as well. Yeah. <laughs> Just to, yeah. I think the thing about that magazine, the reason why it's so uh, unique is because it's the only magazine, first of all, they run artwork uh, yeah. and not ever photos. And they they never run anything on the cover except the, uh, the New Yorker. Yeah, nothing yeah. else on it. So it's just a standalone image. It, it is not connected to any any uh, particular thing in the magazine. Oh, okay. It's, okay. it's it's a standalone piece, so it's this really really wonderful mm. and unique opportunity to to get something out there because you feel like well this is is actually you know this is very very close to to the fine arts because you're just doing something in, and and uh, if you can submit something that they like the sketch and then say okay go ahead and and uh, see but you know, do a finish and, and then they may or they may not run it, but, but it's really exciting when they, they do and you, and you feel, you know, cause you know, a lot of people are seeing it and you really are just doing something from, from you and, and the fake, they feel like, okay, that's good. That's universal. That's gonna, people are gonna respond to that. So we run it. it it's pretty cool that way. And I, I felt I really, really lucky that I got to have a few and, you know, you never know, maybe one day I get another one, but I, I just, I got to come back online, you know, I got to be able to start thinking again and not, not just, we got to get past this horrible time we're in right now. And we're still in it. We're still in it. Yeah, we're recovering from it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. I have a particular favorite cover from yours. I love the one that it was um, the scene in the beach that the there was a little girl listening to the shell and everyone yeah. was on the phone. I really love that piece. So that was my favorite. Yeah, that was that one was maybe one of my most successful ones that a lot of people responded to that, and um, I was happy about that because it was it was. Uh, you know, they also augmented that piece a little. They, they, they. I think when I in the original painting, which I sold, was the sky. I had left it alone. I didn't, I didn't paint. You know, it was it was a white sky, and oh, okay. they, they put in that kind of yellowish. I think, yeah, yes, I'm right. They they put that in digitally, and it's like, oh, okay, you know, as long as you run it, I don't. Care. I mean, at the time, I was so happy to be getting a piece. That, you know. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of tweak didn't bother you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a magazine, and well, but anyway, yeah, I, I, that piece, I like that piece too. Yeah, so just to mention, you also received 
few gold medals for illustrations for those covers as well. So well deserved. <laughs> well, um, no, I didn't win anything for those covers, but I, I got um, I got a couple of, of those medals for some other pieces I did. I forget. Oh, okay. yeah. You, you you worked for a few other um, editorial magazines as well, but I think mostly because New Yorker is so well, I mean, well known. So that's why I just mentioned that one. But yeah, but what you mentioned, like I didn't know this as well. Like with the New Yorker, there is no particular uh, related article with the cover. Whereas right. I think the other magazines, there is one topic or two or a headline or something that is related, right? Yeah, yeah. Or just the general theme of that issue. Oh. Like if Time is, is doing a big piece on some politician or something. Yeah, it's that was a caricature. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of cool that way. It's just You can submit ideas, whatever comes to mind. Um, they do... After you've had a, co a cover or two, then they, you're on a list and they're, they do send like a yearly uh, calendar. And uh, it's saying there, there are some issues that they're saying, you know, fashion issue or whatever. So it's kind of related to that, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, they move around a lot. They have a lot of leeway in there and, and um, they're good people to work with. They, they respect the, you know, the people submitting. So it's... That's nice. That's a nice experience. It's a That's cool. Yeah, because I, I, I was going to ask you, how does that really work? Like the process of uh, working for a magazine's cover and such, which you just explained. <laughs> so um, back to animation again. So you've been doing uh, this New Year, you've been in New York yourself as well, right? For a couple of years in the New Yorker. And then you moved back to Los Angeles for went, working for DreamWorks. I moved to um, I moved to New York from Connecticut where I was living. Oh. And I was there for about I think eight eight or nine years, and uh, then I left New York, went back to Providence for a little while. And it was while I was there that I got called from DreamWorks. And I went out west, out here to L.A. for about a year to work on that movie. And things just turned in that direction. You know, I, after doing that, everybody who works on these projects, then they kind of fan out and move off to different studios, different projects and things. So eventually it, it becomes a, a situation where there's, there's usually work and you know, you can spend time on a lot of different movies. But things have changed since I, I started. Like, for instance, having been on Prince of Egypt for over a year, I think, that's unheard of for me now, freelancing. I may, I might get a couple of months at the most on something. A lot it's of just like um, they squeeze the time and it's just like, yeah, yeah, it's not like before. You don't have a year to work on a project anymore. Yeah, with, with, Two other great designers, you know, and just, yeah. <laughs> which, which, you know, was, it made sense because there's a lot of work to, to create a population in one of those movies and to, to find the style you want and to, to get everything right and, and all the, the phases those things go through yeah. screen ready. So it was like, you know, an enormous amount of work and, and. Yeah. Huge production. Yeah, yeah. 
So I, I, I kind of regret the fact that, uh, you know, now it's just, I send some design on something when I say, okay, thanks. And who knows what happens? They, they maybe use them in a, maybe. and if they, they are used, it's only influencing really something that it's not necessarily the design for a character. Yeah, yeah. Actually, this was uh, it was one of my questions as well. I wanted to know, like, because um, you work like in a pre-production as a character designer mostly, but you don't really develop characters as I saw in your work. Like, you don't do really uh, expression sheets. I haven't seen much of like expression sheets and post sheets. You know what I'm saying? So. That's why now I, I get it because I think you come from the background of illustration and you also like got a fresh eye to bring into the animation. Maybe I think you already developed your style while doing those covers and such with the human's character that you have. And that's why like DreamWorks wanted you and to, wanted to work with you. And um, now I get it why you don't have much of that work because I wanted to ask like you are mostly like character designer you don't really develop characters further is that right yeah that's accurate I'm not I I don't I mean there have been times here and there where where I was asked to do some more informational work on on them and I can do a fair job of that but I you know to be honest uh, it's 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 hard work. It's and I don't find it that interesting to 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 get into the nuts and bolts of it like that. I think it's incredibly important because that's where you know things are are realized and, and the design is is really crystallizes and and it can go very wrong or it can go right. And I've seen plenty of my my designs just fall off the wrong side of the fence there and become like really like, oh no 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 through and i'm not it's it's not through any fault of the the folks who've worked on it down the line they're doing the best they can with how they understand you know they might they're reading volumes a little bit differently or or whatever everybody has their own lens they're looking at something very differently and and um unless you really come at them with lots and lots of information say, you know, well, the volume is more like this or the, the proportions are more like that. They're not going to know. They're, they're doing their best they're, and they're trying to find it. So, and I think it's funny because I've, I've paid a lot of attention to this because it's interested me that I, I've seen designers who work really loose, really simple drawings that are all, they're very two-dimensional and, and not, you know, you you think at first glance, well, you know, I don't I don't see what's what's special about this or why, and then you see those things taken and and start to get really built, and that's where they get strong, and and they and I so oh okay now I I can see it, and they're true to the to this very easy loopy kind of thing. But they have they have great impact, and uh, sometimes I wonder like that might be a more effective way of, of being a designer. That uh, you know, there's kind of a system there that I didn't understand. <laughs> so, oh, trust me, where, you <laughs> you already did an amazing job on so many movies, and um, I personally every time I have 
have an art book even when I was younger I immediately recognized your style which is like I think really amazing like when you open a book you see something like sketchy with like pen or I mean pencil I, I immediately recognize that's yours which is fabulous I mean no matter uh, like how early um, on the work you were working on because as you said the character keeps developing in, in animation and they just change the proportions or the look and style but I still can see that the influence of your work in the final version as well so I think there are some some of them like with I think with Brave or um, the Pixar ones that you did there are still so much of your designs into the final version as well. Don't you think so? No, it's nice. I, I, I love hearing that. And I'll, I'll just say thank you. That's that's great. <laughs> I do think, yeah, it's 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 character to character on any project. And, yeah. Uh, sometimes, you know, certain ones. I I thought that uh, Despicable Me was, was really amazing what they helped. Yeah, that one too, yeah. They were, I was shocked by that. Um, I did just a few passes on those characters and, you know, and they were sending them to Paris and, and said, okay, now, now we have this other character. So a couple of drawings that came to send out. Now we have this other character. And I thought, well, I wonder if this is even going to get made because it, it just seems like they're being sent off into a black hole and we're never going to hear from them again. And, but those guys at that studio, my God, they, I didn't, the project ended a couple of years past and somebody said, hey, the trailer for Despicable's out, have you seen it? I said, no. And uh, I saw it and it was of the family in Egypt, you know, with the tourists, American tourists in Egypt. And, and I had just done, I think, one drawing for, for each of those characters, but they, they totally got who... <laughs> The character was and 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 everything you know volume all that stuff it was like i think that was the most accurate hit on on uh, sketches i'd given i was so so much fun to see and yeah. fully rendered the pretty yeah. character of a very last pencil work yeah just some some guys there and and girls there who who got it they 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 just read those things and and ran with it and I, I was just like oh okay so it can happen <laughs> <laughs> of course it yeah i'm surprised that you don't really see your your influence on the final works but i understand why but yeah i'm, I'm i assure you that there are so many influences of your work in 3d animation as well so don't worry about it Okay. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you about, you, you just work with pencil and pen, I mean paper, so it really feels magical to only have like one tool and imagination and create all those amazing characters and I can see a lot of like um, diversity in your work as well. But the thing that I think makes them unique is the fact that you you play with proportions uh, a lot. Like 
especially like I, I was when when I was looking back at your work, especially like for open season, I was looking at the character of the hunter with the big belly and very tiny like legs, and uh, which as you were mentioning, like on early days, it was only like Disney, and then it was DreamWorks, and then later we all have these more 3D companies and then 3D com and all that. So recently, especially like with Despicable Me or Sony Animation, they're trying to go for more unique stylized work, which mm. really fits into your work as well. Like when the, you have the open season characters, they're a little very interesting playing with the shapes and all that. So I would like to know about a little bit of process of character designing you. Uh, start with like um, did they, I mean directors give you a brief of the characters how they look like what sort of characters they want and then you do you like research about them and start developing them or do you just um, I don't know do you just they just ask you for example we need a hunter and you play around with a bunch of hunter or it depends on project to project it's um it's usually pretty much the same for you know, uh, from one one project to the next. I think sometimes if they have a really, really specific idea about who they're looking for, it, it makes it harder um, because uh, now okay. you're kind of you know, thin to something and, and you can't. And, and what's fun about it is if they give you a general idea of who the person is and who they're going to be in, in the movie. The The... It's it's a lot more fun when there it's just wide open and and I like to start to just do a range of different approaches who they could be because any character it's infinite number of ways to do themselves yeah you know, why not try a dozen to a dozen uh, very different approaches and and for me personally I I like to or I usually am working from somebody that I once knew or somebody that I've seen or somebody that who exists in the world, not doing a drawing of them, but using that, the kind of general sense of that person and, and who they might be. I mean, because that informs a lot of things about character you design. And, and then if it's located in somebody that you knew, or who exists, an old actor or something, then people uh, recognize something in that and they kind of respond to that. It's like, oh, it feels like, oh, there's somebody inside that that design. There's, there's a real, you know, living individual in there who's got certain quirks and whatnot that might not necessarily have been written in with the story descriptions and everything, but it's somebody who could be in that role, but it's also kind of an interesting, they've got a background. You can look at them and think, yeah, I, you know, I know that guy. I, I once worked with a guy like that or something. So that, that's sort of been my, my uh, way of approaching it. And then graphically, the designs really succeeded have been, for some reason, and I don't know why, but when I'm drawing them up, they're lending themselves. These, these overall shapes start to appear interconnected within the figure geometric shapes basically kind of come out of the fog and and 
it's really lovely when that happens and it doesn't happen all the time. But when it does, I, it, it's kind of a fun experience because it's not a bad thing. It just occurs. And once once you start to see those shapes and lines, you can kind of bear down on them and, and you find like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's this sort of distilling of the, of the figure and it, it just boils it down to these things. And I'd say one out of every 20, 25, 30 drawings will, that will happen. I feel like, okay, that's where, because I, for me, it's important to do a good drawing and a good design. And the two things are not necessarily the same. It can fall one way or the other. It's probably better to fall in a good design department since that's what you're doing. But personally, I like it to be a good drawing first. <laughs> I like to yeah. look at it and think there's something there's... going that it, it's 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 a worthwhile drawing. And then so when those two things are there, it's it's a, a yeah. Yeah, I think it's also, again, because of the fact that you've been in both world of like fine art, illustration and um, animation. So because you, you want you have that one shot, but you want it to be like so good, like you want it to be a good drawing, but also have that storytelling and the design that the client has asked you. So that right. maybe that's why. Yeah, all in one. In one shot. It was really interesting for me that you mentioned that you get in your inspirations from real life people. So that's how a lot of characters are born, I think. And when you find the element of uh, real life and you put it into the character, I think it makes it more interesting. That's why uh, when I was looking back at your work and uh, especially came back to that, I don't know why I'm stuck with that hunter from open season because again i just feel like i've seen that person somewhere so uh it's really interesting to know how you got your inspirations from but you were also mentioning that somehow project project might be different because sometimes they might limit you to something and sometimes you're open to uh, give them suggestions and as you mentioned you were giving them a lot of suggestions sometimes like 30 something Actually, I was meeting um, Carlos Granger two years ago in an event. So he was mentioning something about while he was uh, working with Timberton. Timberton was preferring him to um, just give him like one or a few shots. He he was actually working many, many, many works and a lot of like ideas and designs. And Timberton was like, oh my God, no, I just want one or two things. I can't choose and pick up from all these things. So um, that's interesting to know, like how sometimes people want a variety of designs. Sometimes directors just want you just few ideas to go for. But um, one of your recent projects with uh, Animal Crackers, I think you've uh, done almost all the character design um, yourself. Is that correct? Like, and you have more, I think, uh, freedom to explore all the like style of the movie and all that, right? I heard Scott Sama, who made that movie, wrote it, created it, and he early on he told me that he would like me to to run a pass on on every character and asked him, well, how many. But, you know, it's a, I, don't, I don't even know what the count is, but it's it, it was a big, big count. So, so many. <laughs> um, that was a great opportunity. Uh, I think that things went poorly with a lot of them, and that's on me because I, I didn't like 
you know, what, what uh, I had come up with on some of them, and they, I should I or I should have time with me and and with the crew that were trying to figure it out. So I, I think um, that was kind of for me anyway, a, an example of when some of the characters fall on the wrong side of the fence, and they they they're kind of unappealing and and not just just not strong characters for the movie. But um, some of them worked out well and. I think in general people seem to to like them for the most part, but yeah, that was a real bonanza of of just it it really it actually was a problem that there were so many because it couldn't kind of bear if there had been maybe half as many it would have been perfect <laughs> with the same amount of time half as many characters and and I think we would have landed uh, more of them than we did. But uh, I haven't seen the movie myself yet, but. Um... I think I'll go and watch it very soon but because um, I, I saw some of the characters that you've been drawing and uh, they look really fun. And I, I think maybe it was a bit like difficult because with animal characters, there are so many out there. So when you want to make a unique designs for them, that would be a, much more difficult, I assume. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, there are only so many ways you can draw a bear. And they show up in a lot of movies. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. One of the characters, well, I won't get into it, but uh, it was turned out to be, I, I did a drawing for it, which I actually quite like. And as it turned out, it was almost a, an exact replica of the same character I had done quite a while before on another movie. And I didn't know whether or not they were even using it or making the movie for that matter. But um, they got wind, they saw it in a presentation. <laughs> that, that studio saw a presentation for the movie when he was shopping the movie around. And they said, hey, wait a minute, that that's our such and such. And there was this big legal brouhaha. And, and uh, he got back to me and said, we need a different one for it. <laughs> this uh this character and i went back and i looked at my records of that what i'd done for that other project oh my god i really did it was a, it was just same character and not intentional it just happened yeah because because you've done like how many years you are in this industry many years and you've done plenty of works which is like amazing i mean uh, it's i mean sometimes it happens <laughs> what as you mentioned how many ways of Drawing where are they? Also, I think you suggest too many characters in one project, so maybe that's why as well. Like, <laughs> that, talking about like legal stuff, I also wanted to know like because there is one part that most of the artists lacks is that when they want to sign a contract or something, whether it's for an illustration or a character design work. So yeah. Have, has it ever happened to you that you missed something or you want to advise people to be careful with their contracts or something? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, there have been, I, you know, for the most part, working out here and in, in the movies has been really, I very rarely have run into any contractual problems or everything's up. You have your time work that stuff out before you sign and or everybody's happy they're pretty tough about things though they're not very lenient or, or flexible about uh, a lot of things and that just goes with the territory so as long as you know what you're getting into it's not not an issue i really haven't had any any, any there was one there was one uh, 
production that was shot down and the studio folded. And the person who was in responsible kind of took the money and ran. <laughs> so basically, uh, after three, two or three years, or maybe longer, I got a letter from these lawyers that said uh, I was being sued for basically all wages I'd made on the movie. They were clawing that back, and it, it was something they were doing. They were just going through the books and finding anybody who had been connected with the movie who had been paid out. They wanted that money from the investors, so it was this really awful experience. And I had to hire a lawyer, and it was a bankruptcy thing. And it, it was—I ended up having to send quite a bit of money back to them. I was pissed off. I thought, you know. I did my job. They they hired me. I did the job we always contracted to do, and I never got to give all the money back. I just didn't quite make sense. It was an ugly world to inhabit for a while, and I hope I never have to again because that wasn't fun. But as I say, that was just one little incident in in a lot of other things. Uh. So I've never had. The reason that I also ask is because in Iran we don't really have such strict contracts at all. Like these things happen most of the time. So if it's opposite and everything goes smoothly and perfect and no one runs with the money, then you're surprised. They're like, "Wow, it's it's, it's magical production." <laughs> so that's, that's why I mean, if if that makes you feel better. Here it's just oh, like, that makes me feel worse. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. When I was illustrating though in New York, and you know, I would send my bill. I I had to wait about 30 days or longer to get paid. And sometimes, but not often, but sometimes there was there was shenanigans, and they they weren't. You know, I'd have to chase it for months and months and months. And sometimes I get it, and sometimes I wouldn't. So I figured it was it was more dangerous terrain being an illustrator than being. A, uh, yeah, just, yeah. So maybe my listeners would feel better <laughs> that it can happen anywhere. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> just to be strong and chase for your money. <laughs> and interesting thing is that I didn't knew that you uh, worked for um, children's book illustrations. So that's very like again different thing to do. So I think um, so. We definitely talked about the fact that your style is very distinguished, and uh, everyone can recognize it immediately. And um, but I, I just feel like within children books illustration, you were trying to do something more different because it's not. Um, for adults of course like the magazines that you've been working on and it's very like very in a very cute uh, flat simple word of children so how does that experience appeal to you and did you do them just for the sake of having a new experience or well uh yeah that that was sort of a whole different field to to work in so i i i didn't want to I did a couple of, of books, retellings, uh, The Nutcracker and A Christmas Carol, and that was a long time ago. And, and then more recently, I, I started to think, well, maybe I could write something. And, oh, uh, did you write any as well? Because I, I couldn't uh, tell which one you write. So yeah, the the more recent ones, I started I started with 
the night before Christmas, what I thought I could do was use the story, do the story, but then on the right-hand side of the book and on the left-hand side of the book, put my own story into it, which was about a, this little kid who couldn't get to sleep. And so oh. it's going on, you know, as we all know it. And But he's having a, his own story also in rhyme, and he's talking about how worried he is because he can't get to sleep, and he knows Santa Claus doesn't like that. you got to be asleep. So he's kind of freaking out. But anyway, I felt like that was my first way to find my confidence that maybe I can write. I'll piggyback it on, on this existing classic. Yeah. Yeah, and it was fun to do. And then after that, I thought, is it out? Is it out yet, or it's an upcoming project? It's it's yeah. I think it's it's still in print. Um, oh, okay. A creature was stirring. Um, you know, night before Christmas, not a creature was stirring, but a creature was stirring. So. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's it's you can still get them on Amazon wherever. But after that, I I did a couple more, and then, and I. The thing I told myself at the beginning was I would like to vary the style from book to book, that each one's an opportunity, and let me experiment with this and then this way and this way. And so they might not be huge shifts in the look of my work, but they were for me in, in how I was working. So, the uh, you know, there's only a handful of these books, but the most recent one right now, it's out right now, is Nobody Hugs a Cactus. And a lot of people really like that one. It's gotten the best response and it's actually doing well, which is the first one I've done. It's, I'm know. glad to hear. Yeah. That's amazing. So it, it, is it still available to Oh, yeah. yeah, sure. Okay. No one's hugging cactus. Interesting. So talking about trying to do a variety of styles on each of your work, because yeah, as I mentioned, I, I, I didn't know that you also do kids illustration. Um, there was one that I loved, uh, which one I, I forgot the name, but uh, there was this little kid who was doing drawings or something and with, it was with family. And there was characters that seems to be his drawing. So there were like drawings and then the illustration of the guy. So, yeah. I think you're talking about, uh, yeah, we forgot Brock. Yes, exactly. That's it. Oh, you have it. Yeah. Yay, that's it. Uh, yeah, we forgot Brock. I really love the style of this one because, uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like there is a, is it is the, the drawings, the child drawings? They, they, yeah, he, he actually never really draws them in the book, but it's implied. But I, I thought that it would be interesting to do a marriage of two styles and that his imaginary friend would look the way he might draw him or how he would conceive him, you know. So it's yeah, it's a different, you know, trying to replicate the way a child might draw something, which was fun because actually when you do that, you really remove yourself from what you're doing, your natural tendencies. And there's something really liberating about that. It, it, it actually, all of the, the usual pressure and, you know, grim determination when you're working to get it right, that all goes out the window. And all of a sudden you just 
doing something that's, that's kind of loopy and fun. And I really enjoyed that. That, that was, that was fun. And by the way, we're, we're, um, moving along now with setting it up for a movie. So. Ooh, that would be really interesting, especially because these days, I mean, we passed that 3D phase and now everyone's trying to make more hybrid projects. So there are a lot of like 3D merged with like 2D. There are flash right. 3Ds and all that. So I think that would be really cool to see that in life. Yeah, I, I do too. I think it'd be fun to see an animated movie that has like it's a hybrid of two animated movies, not not you know, not live action animated, but animated and animated. But they have to live together. So it's going to be tricky to to find a way if if it if it goes. But um, it's looking more and more like it will. So it's like that one was your favorite too, right? Because it was really close to you. You had it well, next to. You. Yeah, it, it, yeah. The problem is with these books is they're really uneven. All of them. I I don't feel like any that I've done has been something I can pick up and and go page to page and feel good about. It's really you kind of can't look and then okay, yeah, that one. That was sort of what I was after. And then, you know, no, no, no. And it's, that's just how it goes. It's, please make it, please. <laughs> that, that would be really funny. Anything doing all this, it's that it, it's really, you're never at peace with what you're doing, really. You, you, you never feel like you, you hit the bullseye with something. Sometimes you feel like you got close, but you never feel like you hit the bullseye. And it's, it's frustrating. It's, it's, difficult and you got to kind of learn to be good with that and you just realize well it's just a, a something that it's this process that keeps you trying really hard over and over you never get to a place where like you can just lean back and you know the stuff comes out exactly the way you want it and everything everybody's happy and, you, and i don't think that's possible and if that does happen i think there's something wrong with it <laughs> Because I think that that, again, makes it that what I was talking about earlier about knowing what you're going to do and, and that that bleeds the thing of what it's essential. And that's not knowing what, you know, it's a mystery. You're, you're going on this uh, adventure with every piece you do and you're, you're hoping to find to bump into something. And sometimes you do and sometimes you don't, but I don't think you ever feel that confident that you've, you've, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe some people do proud about their stuff and, you know, but I, for me, it's just been misery. <laughs> oh my God. It's funny you say that because I wanted to ask, like, after all these years of experience, are you still afraid of a white canvas? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, no, actually, to be honest, I'm not. I, I, that's when I'm most hopeful when, you know, <laughs> nothing has occurred yet. And, and then you get in and it becomes this battle and it either kind of works out or it's a, it's a victory that's rare, but mostly it's just a struggle. And then I think you have to give it time, put it away and come back to it much later and, and look at it again because you're not seeing it when right after the battle, you, you don't even know what you're looking at anymore. And you're not seeing it accurately. And I learned this from my friends telling me, put it away. <laughs> you know, it's a good piece. Don't don't destroy it. Just come back to it later. And, um, yeah. That's usually true. And 
but it's all part of what we're doing. You know, that's what we do. We we voluntarily um, subject ourselves to this. <laughs> Voluntary. <laughs> yeah, but I but I think also like what 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 you were saying about um, your illustration when you were doing like um, drawing like a child, you were trying to do that. Sometimes we need that within our work too. So sometimes when you can't really start, maybe just some loose something loose sketches or without really thinking of can help you to let the ideas out and. Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, I was going to say that in 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 uh, some of these movies, they've kind of wanted. For instance, I, I worked on a project. I don't think it was going to be made, but um, this was quite a while ago, and it was based on a story and artwork. Jesus, I can't think of his name. Steig. I don't know if you know the the artist Steig. Uh -huh. Steig. Anyway, he he's he's quite well known. He's he's uh, used to. I don't know if he's still alive. I'm not sure if he is, but his stuff is is great. It's really fun, kind of almost childlike and and really, really inventive and completely original. The thing about it was though that it it doesn't have a sense of volume. That's not how he works. It's not really a three-dimensional feel to it. Yeah. But the, but the designs are are beautiful. And um he did this I this story about an island full of these monsters and stuff. They said, well, we want to do this. Can you do some designs for it with, with the artist in mind and all that? And so I got to key the work I was doing on his work, which suddenly lifted that burden of, you know, it, it was this tremendous assist that kind of took a big part of it out of the equation that, that I had to worry about. And, and it was kind of fun because I was channeling, not copying things he'd done, but well, how might he have done this character and, yeah. and through his lens? And and it was really, it, it, it was like doing Brock. It was I I was kind of released for a while and not doing your your same style or thing and trying to channel to someone else's yeah and you, different muscles and things you're, you're using things that you never would have you know you're trying things because of that uh that never would have occurred and you know it's it, as an exercise i think it's a lot of fun i don't think you can do that and walk away with somebody else's style that's not the idea <laughs> you know because i don't think that's i i've never thought that's a good to it's everybody's influenced by everybody that's unavoidable that's how we grow but it's a mistake when we really latch on to something and we're so besotted with it that you know that becomes our we adopt that lens and the whatever little idiosyncrasies that were involved in it we start to use um i think that that's that's something to try and avoid uh, you know, it's not, it doesn't really help you any. And I, I think it's, you know, nobody wants to see their work kind of replicated by somebody else. And, you know, it's a double-edged sword. It was fun to do on a project. Yeah, yeah, I see. <laughs> I wouldn't want to make a life of doing that stuff, but I, I love how it allowed me to, to kind of just see things very, very differently for a while. And I, and it was, it was really liberating thing it was just a kind of uh exciting to to have a different toolbox that you know you could play with and anyway same thing really this is rock 
<laughs> yeah, that that yeah, I really love the style, and um, that's interesting to know that a lot, a lot of people like try to get so good at something and they develop their style and all that, but sometimes uh, I think you need a break every now and then from that sort of thing that you always do, and as you was saying, it's so liberating and just such a relief like you you do something else like or I don't know you pick up another like medium you go around and play with ink for example and do something new that could be really refreshing so yeah that's good <laughs> yeah I think that's critical if you can keep keep that in your your work and your life and uh, you're doing the right thing I, I, I can't go wrong so yeah. Oh, off. I, I I need to remind myself now and then to you know, change it up a little, work with different tools and stuff. Yeah, talking about that, we, we were just talking about that you didn't really, you don't really do digital, so it's all always like uh, traditional work that you are doing. Is that like you've never pick up an interest in that, so you just didn't feel like you want to do it? Is that like? Because you grew up with art, literally, so probably because a lot of artists are like that, that they love the touch of paper or the, like, I don't know, smell of oil or something. So are you that kind of person that that's why you don't really feel like you can put all your spirit if you do a digital work? Or I just romanticize it? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think because I've thought about this a lot and I... I know um, that this this is the age we're in. These are the tools we're using, and, and who knows what it'll be like in 10 years and so on and so forth. But I grew up with these antiquated tools, and part of the reason why I was into it was because of them. I I, I loved them. I loved the papers and the paints and, and everything, and I. I kind of found my way with them, and and I began my career with them. I mean, we were still was non-digital world when I started working professionally and um, was a good ways into my career when all of a sudden this huge shift began to happen. And and it was very apparent out here in the studios because it's it's fantastic for movie making. These tools are, are you know, a godsend, really. So I watched all the painters who, background painters and things, and they had to start learning in mid-stride, you know, they, they still would have an easel in their their room, but they'd also have a computer and they, you know, they were making that that switch from paint to, to this something else. I, I won't, to me, it feels very sterile, uh, just as a tool that it's, 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 it's not something tactile or, 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 um, you know, as you say, I mean, it, there, there are these romantic notions, but I think they're true that there's this, another dimension when you're physically working with these materials and trying to make them do things for you, as opposed to this very clean screen, you know, and all these wonderful tools that they keep making more and more of. And it's, it's limitless now that things you can do. I don't know how anybody keeps up with it and, and has such an array of tools that they, I would just freeze. I wouldn't know where to, you know, where do you stop? Where, how do you, you, anything, you can take something forever and, and, and make it more and more and more 
well, better, I guess, is the only way I can put it. There's a, a start and an end to something you're doing in a painting, really. I mean, you get to a point where you can start over again, I guess, but you can't keep correcting and, and noodling and, and, and polishing and making it better and better and better and better, or at least more and more finished, for lack of a better word. But they, it's daunting to me. Those tools are daunting. I, I, I thought I'm straddling the fence here of two worlds and, and I can either jump over and join or stay where I am and uh, continue on. And I decided, well, I, I seem to still be getting work and I'm enjoying how I work. So I'm not going to spend the time trying to learn these things. And, um, I think I got away with it because, you know. Yeah, after after all, that's only 82. I mean, uh, when you are still able to tell stories and bring a lot of amazing characters into love with just pencil and paper so why should you bother <laughs> doing that again? but but i i i only ask this uh, not as if you have to learn like digital but because it, it's just interesting for me um that artists have different approaches because a lot of artists prefer to just jump in the wagons and go with every like technology and all that it seems like with animators in the animation industry where um, a lot of them switch into a 3d as well a lot of them just stuck with 2d and start like teaching and doing other stuff you know it's i, I just ask this because i love to um see your approach to this and um yeah i mean who cares after all, you're amazing, so <laughs> no one wants that. <laughs> but tell me, like, you recently also had, like, solo exhibition, and um, tell me, like, what's next for Carter Goodrich? Are there yet any secret projects other than asking for producers to back up your project of <laughs> illustration book? Uh, well, there's the project with Brock, and I'm, I've also been working on for quite a while now a, a group of pieces for a show in Paris. And um, the guy at the gallery is, has become kind of a friend, and we correspond now and then. But he had, he had been asking me for a while, and I, I said, I don't know, you know, what I would do for a show just without – I was like – we were talking about earlier, once uncoupled from from doing work for supporting some project, you're kind of on your own. What do you do? And I and I thought I so I, I, I couldn't agree for a while. And then one day I thought, why don't I just do characters I would love to do for a movie that doesn't exist? And I'll wow. do paint I'll take them to the next level and do paintings on them and because I never get to do color work either. <laughs> for these projects so um i started doing them and really really enjoyed doing them but i i could only kind of get at it in between everything else and it's just been years and years and years and the guy is so patient he says it's okay to take you know whatever you're ready you better be <laughs> so now um, i have started working on it again and i'm hoping to i'm, I'm getting close to having enough for the for the show but in the meantime i was talking to some people friends of mine out here who a, a producer and uh, someone who's directed a few movies and i said hey you know you 
you think there's a story in these things and with these these images and stuff and right away the director wrote a story <laughs> which was really good and we got interested in, in in thinking about walking it around but he got swallowed up by another um, project another thing he's on contract with and so i wrote my own version of the story and that's kind of still in play i i know that uh, the producer has been getting um he, he wants to talk to me actually right now because he's he's gonna start submitting it to some places who have expressed an interest in, in seeing it but the i'm still gonna finish the pieces for the show so i, I you know they're kind of part of that and not part of it. I'm doing them for myself. So it, it's sort of, it's wide open. I'm not adhering to any character list or anything. I'm just doing things, images, people, or something. Which make it more interesting to me, to be honest. Like, it sounds more interesting to just, when you're just working on your own stuff and things coming together, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it is, it is. It's a breath of fresh air, actually. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I get up a little bit more eager to go into the studio and, and start working on it. Yeah. So how does like Corona affected your work? Were you working from home for this past two years? It's almost two years. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I always do. I mean, my studio's here, so nothing really changed for me. And oh. I got worried though that, wow, what's going to happen? You know, is it going to be work? And all of a sudden, there was more work than I've ever had and it, because all these projects started yeah. because they couldn't, there's no live action out here because of the COVID. So they're all turning their guns on animation. So there are all these, these projects everywhere. And um, I've never worked harder in my life. There was so many things I, I was getting on and off. And I'm just now kind of taking a break. I, I, I had to stop because I was feeling pretty burned out, but uh, and it looks like the world will still turn after the COVID, so I hope. <laughs> I I hope too. Yeah, so I, it's uh, just been really difficult times for people. I mean, it's it's hard to imagine. It really is. I I I feel mostly for for the youngsters in school who who were graduating or starting high school or starting college. And this thing came along and just blew the thing apart for him. And I, I, I can't imagine going through that at that age and, and kind of being robbed of, of, of all that. It's pretty awful. Uh, well, it hasn't been fun for anybody, but yeah, first of it. So. Yeah, let's hope for the best. Um, so just um, to wrap things up. Because you mentioned um, burning out as well. Um, it's interesting for me how you take care of yourself when you burn out. Because, yeah, obviously you're a hardworking person. And you. it seems like you've been working on so many more great projects. And which I hope soon we'll see more from you. But, yeah, what do you do? Uh, I mean, you... I think you got to step away now and then. There are so many variables to all this, and I think everybody operates differently. And you know, it's just—it's used to get asked a lot. So, 
what should I do? You know, I want to be a character designer. What, what do I do? What's the best way? I want to work at a good studio. I want to work at Pixel. Yeah. And I always say, well, you know, um, put together a portfolio of how you want to work and what you want your work to look like right now and walk it around. But don't, don't close all those other windows, you know, because maybe you're putting together your portfolio and starting to wander somewhere else. And before you know it, you want to be a fashion designer or something, you know, that's, that's where you're going. And, you know, you have to allow that to happen. But what do you do about the burnout? I think it's inevitable no matter what you end up doing, because if you really are working hard at it and you kind of have to, if you're going to make a living with it, you really have to apply yourself. You, you got to be disciplined and you got to work hard and you're going to start to burn out after a while and you need to find a way of dealing with that. And I think there's, there's any number of ways to do that, but you know, you have to do something. You have to just shut it down for a while and do nothing and just kind of clear your, your head or just do something completely different from what you're normally doing. And, um, I think for me, doing these these paintings just for the show is is kind of like that. I can, you know, it's it's a different world to inhabit for a while, so it acts as a. Wow, you 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 still work to not burn out. <laughs> I don't know if I to do that. Is it healthy? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to travel, maybe go travel around and just to some other places. And, you know, look at, look, go to museums and stuff. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. I, I think that nature absolutely helps. I mean, you, you're not much of a social media person, I assume. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, for these people, I mean, like me who have all these <laughs> social medias, sometimes when, when we quit and go, I mean, have a walk or something that would be really helpful. I mean, nature always is the best option for me. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's there's a lot to see out there. It's it's quite a planet we live on. Yeah. And I've I've been noticing it kind of for the first time in my life. I mean, really noticing what an extraordinary planet this is. And then you can just take a little piece of your yard or or you know. It, it doesn't have to be a big, beautiful vista of mountains and whatever, but just a little couple of square feet, and you look at how much life is in it, how the variety of, of plants and bugs, and, get, and you think, God, this is, a, it, it really is an extraordinary place. And so there's all this talk right now, everybody's like getting excited about Mars, and maybe we can, we can, we can live on Mars now. Uh, I'm thinking, are you crazy? You would want to live on Mars, this dead planet. It's just dead. It's just, you'd live in a bubble. <laughs> Why? How could that be exciting? When you go for a walk and, you know, you see how many trees there are, how many, the sky here, everything is is boiling with life if we don't kill it, which we're, doing yeah. that too but it's it's uh so i agree with you nature is is uh incredibly healing and it, it doesn't take a big exotic trip to see it it's it's pretty much right outside your front door or wherever you live you, you know 
make a walk and, and you're going to see it and pay attention to it. And yeah, that's a good way to avoid yeah. it. Uh, amazing. So um, do you want to say anything else to wrap things off? Because um, as I mentioned, you are one of the most distinguished character designers out there. I know that now that you tell the story of yours, it seems like you, you, not, not seems like you definitely did <laughs> plenty of works and you've done a lot of great illustrations and such. But, um, I personally know you through your, um, work, uh, for the animation. So I just want to know what do you have to say to people who, I don't know, want to get into this industry in general? If they want to become illustrator or I don't know book illustrator or character designer or whatever, as you once one uh, at the beginning you were mentioning the doors should be open. I mean, and you should have like all the windows open. <laughs> but yeah, just whatever you like to say to wrap this up. Well, I guess very simply, I would just say that whatever you end up doing, if you're doing, if you're going to work commercially make sure that you're always working for yourself, not for somebody else's direction. Yeah, you have to answer it. You have to do a job you're being hired to do. But you don't have to to be doing what they think you should be doing, mm. if that makes sense. You always have to do it for yourself first. And if it doesn't work in the job, then it didn't work in the job. But I think the chances are greater that it will if you're doing it for yourself, if you're answering the things you need to answer for yourself and satisfy you. And, you know, just in that specific moment, in that painting or drawing or sculpt or whatever, it, that it's, it's, you're answering the, the, the problems you want to answer while keeping in mind it has to, it has to, you know, address, it has to be addressed to the job that you've been hired to do. It's not always going to be a, it's not always going to work. They're not always going to be happy. But I think that if you start trying to predict what other people want and trying to do what you imagine they want to see and, you know, it's a really hard thing to describe, but I, because it, you're walking a tightrope and I, I still think that, that it's really, really important that when I work, I'm doing the thing first for me. When I do a day's worth of work on a job, I might end up throwing everything away that day. And maybe I can't build for that day because of that. But I'm not turning something in that I think, or I might even know they're going to like if I don't like it. Okay, so yeah. That's the way I can describe Wow, that's amazing. Thank <laughs> you so much. I really, really appreciate your time. And thank you so much again for accepting my invitation. It was an honor to have you here. And my podcast and yeah, I mean, I'm super excited for everyone who is listening to, yeah, to hear your story in this interview. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really, I had a good time. It's fun to talk about this stuff. And I, I enjoyed myself, so thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this podcast. I really do hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. Once again, thanks to Carter Goodrich for his generosity to accept my invitation to come to this podcast. Please don't forget that you can listen to this podcast on any platform, such as Spotify, 
iTunes, Google's podcasts, Castbox, and also you can find me on any social medias: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, where you can have Farsi subtitles for all the English interviews as well. And you can find me on every platform under the same name. Until next time, take care, everyone, and I'll see you very soon.